Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix Please put your hands together and make a little noise For your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys Ooh, Bosco's boys Come on, boys the boys are back, and I first want to wish all the fathers out there a happy Father's Day. This is dropping on Monday the 21st. I am recording this with my dad on Father's Day, 8.09 in the morning. If there's any crazy news that drops in the K-State world between now and tomorrow morning, well, too bad. We'll talk about it midweek. And then I think Tuesday it's going to be a double release Grant and Malcolm will be hopping in for their version of Dad Pod. So we're going to have three episodes coming to you this week. Before I get to my dad, I want to plug Spotify Green Room. You heard us talk about Locker Room all this time. Guess what? It was so great that Spotify bought them. So get over there. They have an Android app now so everyone can join us Thursdays at 7 p.m. to talk about the cats. This week, unless something crazy comes up, anyone who comes into the green room, they're going to bring their own topic. We're going to send it to the Boneheads. We're going to talk about what you guys want to talk about, unless something crazy happens, which in the world of K-State sports, it can happen. But let's get into the reason for the season. This is Dad Pod. This is the fourth Dad Pod. Uh, the very first time, I think next year, we probably should try to get back into Happy Bassett and have all both dads together and have the four-man weave going on. But this is the most recurring theme show. If Gene Taylor pops up in August, it'll be his fourth show. But this is the fourth dad pod we had. I'm going to stop monopolizing time. I'm going to send it over to the best dad in the world, Kevin McFarland. We're not talking about West Virginia football, so I think the show will go well. Um, How are you doing, and did you ever think that you were going to have, I think, before it's all said and done, you might be close to 10 appearances on a podcast. Did you ever think you would hit that level of fame? I did not, and and, and by the way, just uh, a happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Um, and I, and I do want to say right now, uh, being a father to you and your brother, Alan is probably the, uh, outside of marrying your mom was probably the greatest thing I ever did in, in my life. And so, uh, very proud of both you and Alan. So, uh, uh, happy father's day to, to everyone. Uh, no, I, I, uh, I do not consider myself a, a minor, uh, iPod or, uh, podcast celebrity at all. Well, I, I tell you what, every time we do Dad Pod or anytime you come on, you always get rave reviews. Uh, like I said, luckily we're not talking about the West Virginia game. I think the two times that we pegged you to talk about the West Virginia football game, they have been disappointing. Granted, you know, what, the last four or five years it's been disappointing, uh, West Virginia games. I mean, here's a question for you. This wasn't on the outline, and I know you don't like it when I do this. 
But you and I, and I think we've talked about it on the podcast, we did an epic trip out to Pittsburgh where we saw K-State play West Virginia and then the Chiefs play the Steelers on Sunday night football. Both games were horrible. But in just the realm of frustrating games, uh, where does that West Virginia game rank for you? Because all the missed opportunities in the red zone, kicking all those field goals, then missing the field goal at the end to lose the game, surrounded by West Virginia fans because you don't go to a ton of away games. So you're very rarely surrounded by uh, you know enemy combatants when it comes to sporting events. So where does that game rank for you for like frustrating games you've gone to? Oh, probably the worst. Uh, you know, what a wonderful, epic adventure we had. It was something we kind of looked at when the schedules came out that that was a weekend we could knock out a road a very rare road game for the Cats, but then to see the Chiefs uh, at the Steelers. I mean, man, what a great weekend. Everything was great about it except for the sporting events that we uh, attended, which was kind of the cornerstone of the, of the event. At West Virginia, it looked like complete control in the first half, looked like we were going to be able to, to pull it out. Uh, field goals instead of touchdowns, Proved to be our downfall there, but being right in the heart of all those West Virginia fans, that was painful. Yes, it, it was not fun. It was not fun. And then they did the fake nice guy routine as you're leaving. And then there was some jackass kid who, who what do you go back to Kansas or what did yeah. he say to you? I was not, uh, <laughs> I was not proud of myself on on our way out because there was a kid, and I think his parents were with him as well. And he says, "Yeah, go back to K State." or something about that. And then I stopped and I turned and I said, what'd you say? And then at that point I was like, okay, I need to keep walking. <laughs> yeah, it was not it was not a good outcome. And for whatever reason, West Virginia seems to have our, have our number. And that was kind of when the football season started to go on the decline. But we, we, we won't talk too much about West Virginia football. Um, and we'll never have you pegged to do a West Virginia football review because... We just get killed whenever that happens. So we're going to just jump into it. You know, dad pod, you know, coming out of a pandemic. I think uh, one of the first times I came back after, well, no, I, I came back, I think, for your birthday or something. But last time we talked, you know, we were in the middle of the pandemic for a dad pod. You know, everything around us was swirling. I think at that point, we had no idea if, you know, there was going to be even a football season. So what was, you know, for you, a lifelong sports fan, what was the, you know, COVID year when it comes to sports? What was that experience like? You know, you had almost no, there were no full crowds. There was a lot of games you were watching that had like the fake noise by the TV companies. What was the experience like for you watching all those sporting events and, you know, with all the weird COVID stuff going on? Well, it was, it was surreal. It was, it was very noticeable. I think in terms of whether it was a football game or basketball game later, uh, the first thing you notice, even with the crowd noise, you could always hear field noises. You know, like in football, you could always hear the quarterback, you could hear the cadence, you could hear the communication going on. Uh, in, in that regard, I found some of that to be quite interesting with if you had good commentators on the, on the television as well. Uh, then on the basketball floor, it was even more pronounced because you could hear the squeaker, uh, the sneaker squeaks and, and uh, uh, you know, watching K-State basketball, you could hear everything that, that Bruce was saying and, and barking out to the players and uh, things like that. So watching it 
with with no crowd or minimal crowds was really different, just surreal. The other thing I noticed uh, is, you know, I think I think home field advantages were different. I'm not saying they they changed the the outcomes of a lot of games, but but I think watched quite a few uh, KU basketball games, for example. I I mean, Allen Fieldhouse was was just a place. I mean, it was it was not what it is when it's full of, of fans and, and students. Yeah, it, it really was interesting. I think, especially like in the NFL uh, and college football to a lesser extent, you could see the differences of the stadiums that did allow some versus none at all. The mm-hmm. the difference of you know you know Bill Snyder Family Stadium, I think. You know, it was Gundy. They were doing that stupid ESPN Plus show, but he was complaining about the crowd noise and he was complaining about the band and all that type of stuff. And then you look out at the Pac-12, completely empty, you know, Coliseum. There, there's mm-hmm. absolutely no impact. So I think, and then the NFL, you know, Arrowhead, I think they were claiming, you know, like 33%, but sometimes it looked, you know, half full or whatever. And there was a lot of noise. Then you go up to Philadelphia and no one there. I think that really did... Uh, you know, maximize the difference of local policies when it came to fans and sporting events. Well, and and two, you wonder what you kind of get to see in some. I think in some for some teams, what impact does the fan have on sparking a team? Uh, I think a lot of teams had to bring that own spark on themselves. You know, to pump each other up because the the crowd was not there. Yes, for sure. So let's get into something. Here's a question for you, and you probably don't even have the answer to it. So I believe you and I talked. The last live sporting event you went to was a the KUK State basketball game in 2020 in Bramlage Coliseum. So you've gone, and that would have been in March, so you've gone 15 months without seeing a live sporting event. When's the last time... Has there ever been a time in like your relative life that you remember going that long without a sporting event, live no, sporting event? No, I I, I don't think so. Um, uh, I can't think of a time where I went that long. I mean, because typically, you know, even when you guys were were smaller, you know, we would go to at least one you know K State game, you know, a basketball game, a football game, uh, a you know a Royals game or two. Well, and you had uh, and chief they, season tickets, right? I was just about to say, yes, we had chief season tickets, so we pawned you off on babysitters every Sunday. So, uh, so yeah, nothing close to that. Yeah, because growing up, I, I believe you 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 would tell the story that Granddad would saddle you guys up and you would go to basketball games in Ahern, correct? Oh, correct, yeah. So even back then, you, you were going to at least one or two games a season back then, so... Probably has been, you know, since the first game you went to, that's, you know, probably the last time you went a full calendar year. Right. Yeah. It, it, it was uh, it was really something. And, and yeah, it was something I missed for sure. But but I'll say this uh, because of the pandemic early on, uh, there was we just didn't know, you know, what the dangers were out there and how and, and really how. Uh, you got the the virus. I mean, so for me, in a big setting, uh, massive amounts of people, I was pretty leery. Yeah, no, and, and I, I mean, I didn't go to any game. I went the full year. I did the poetic justice. The last game I went to was the K-State TCU Big 12 tournament game. 
And then the first one I went back to was that. And since then, I've gone to a sold-out sporting game and no restrictions Royals game, and, and I really missed it. My question to you is, did you? how much did you miss that? Or was it the fact that, hey, there's this looming virus that at the time we didn't know much about that you didn't really miss it because you were too worried about, okay, you know, what, what could happen? Because, I mean, I, I mean, mom was washing money that she got from yeah. grocery stores for a while. Like, so, so did the idea of missing going to live sporting events come into your lexicon or were you mainly just focused on, hey, you know, I, I don't even miss it because I don't know what could happen? It was more the latter. I really didn't miss it much because, like I said, I was very leery. I mean, uh, like you said, yeah, mom was washing money. Uh, we'd go to the grocery store, bring our groceries back. We would take Clorox wipes and wipe down all of our groceries. Uh, deliveries to the house you kept in the garage for 24 hours. We just didn't know. And so the thought, again, the thought of going to a, a stadium full of uh of fans, even if it was half full. I, I think I told you at the time, I don't know when I'm going to feel comfortable going back to a stadium again. Well, so, so you are vaccinated. Yes. The, the rules, it's sounding like, and I think Riley County still has to give um, the final say, but it sounds like Gene Taylor saying no mask requirements, full attendance, you know, sold out stadiums, all this type of stuff in Manhattan. Are you, do you have the urge to go back and do you think it is more or less, uh, you know, your urge to go to live sporting events pre-pandemic or the same? I think it's about the same, but, but now, like you say, uh, I'm team Pfizer, you know, I got oh, yeah, Pfizer gang. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, as I've learned more about the, the vaccine and now, uh, that the fact that if you're vaccinated, it appears that you really really don't have much to uh, to worry about unless you'd be one of those very rare breakthrough cases. And that's very, very rare. I, I feel pretty comfortable and confident going back to a stadium now, what, even if it's full. Yeah. So uh, so what's the number one thing you missed about, you know, we watched, you know, this K-State football season. What's the number one thing you miss about going to games in person? Well, I, I think there's a certain amount of uh, – very special fanfare that goes about uh, goes with attending a live K-State football game. Uh, just the kind of the pregame activities, the the traditions. I, I, I like a lot of that. It just kind of really uh, not only gets you in the mood, but it's very nostalgic for me as well. Kind of puts you in the mood. Uh, and you can't get that unless you're actually there among the fans uh, you know, experiencing it live in, in person. But, uh, and, and, and two, I think the, the crowd reaction to when things go well uh, for the cats. And then we've got our group of, of fans that we've been with in our, in our section for a long, long time, you know, just to hear the commentary that you get from the, uh, the, the likely suspects in our, in our uh, section, uh, some of which can be appreciated, some of which is a an elbow to the ribs and a roll of the eyes as well. Yes, yes. Uh, so, so what you're saying is standing up and doing the Pledge of Allegiance while Pepper, the dog, is looking at you in the living room just doesn't get the juices going as much as the patriotic fanfare right before the national anthem in the stadium. Yeah, not a, not a, not as not at all. Uh, but you know, doing the alma mater with you is very special uh, for me as well. Yeah, I. I Part of me, when it, when it started, I almost had the idea of, okay, maybe I 
won't miss it. And I think I said it on the show a couple times, but even going into a carnivorous, like, you know, I think it was like 18% capacity in the T-Mobile Center um, and, you know, in a game that meant nothing. But just having, being in the, the energy of being in the arena and just screaming out, you know, cheering for Bruce and Nigel Pack, you know, mm-hmm. with no one in there. So far, like, you know, we're in the upper deck. I was with a friend of the pod, Jimmy, and a couple other folks. You know, just having that, it, it just hit me, no, I, I miss it. And then having the ability to be in a sold-out stand, and I hope we get that for a couple games in Bill Snyder Family Stand because, you know, sellouts aren't a given anymore. You know, that even started falling off before the pandemic. But being in a sold-out you know, uh, Children, Children's Mercy Park for that first game back full attendance, it just brings a whole nother level of uh, emotion and atmosphere to these games. And I, and I hope K-State can get back to that both in football and basketball this year. Uh, so we, we talked about that. Let's hit something in Dad Pod we usually do is we hit on some of the bigger storylines over the past year of K-State uh, sports. So let's hit what I think is probably the biggest one um, how different do you think that football season would have gone if we didn't lose Skyler, you know, halfway through the third game of the season? Uh, does that prevent like the eventual big losing skid or does COVID and injuries taking too big of a toll mean that the season's probably going to play out the same even if Skyler stays healthy? Well, you know, even without Skyler, there were two games, uh, two losses that we had in that streak that we could have won, you know, I Should think it was, won. I think that the Baylor and Oklahoma state game. Yeah. Oh, that Oklahoma uh, state game. I mean, they were both right there. I mean, really a player to, uh, had they gone differently, we won them would have won them without Skyler. If Skyler would have been on the team, uh, I think there's no way we lose either of those games. So that would have been what a six and four season. Yep. Uh, so I, I, I do think it was a huge, impact because we were so limited uh, at quarterback and what we could do offensively without Skyler. Uh, I, and I think, I think uh, Howard was put in a, a difficult situation, but, uh, but yes, I think, I think had Skyler stayed healthy, uh, didn't get knocked out, and that was a Texas Tech game, I believe, even on a personal foul, um, that really did change, I think, the course of, of, the, of the season. Yeah, you, you look back at the Oklahoma State and Baylor game, just depressing. Just depressing. And again, does the West Virginia game go differently? Eh, I don't know, but it, it sucked. That that was a tough one to lose. So what was your reaction when you found out uh, Skyler was going to come back for that super senior season? Uh, how big of expectations did that change You know your personal thoughts on this upcoming football season? A lot. It changed my expectations uh, a great deal. Uh, I've been pro Skyler uh, since he, he uh, came on the scene um, because I think his upside, I, I don't believe he's really experienced his upside yet. And I'm hopeful that this year he does. I think he hits gets closer to his ceiling. I think that this offense could be outstanding. I'm, I'm, I'm really pro Skyler, and I think what he could do for this team uh, with, with, I think, some really good tools and a, and a good offensive line, I think we could really do some things offensively this year. Yeah, I, I'm starting to, and again, I think this happened. Well, I don't think it always happens, but getting closer and closer to the season, you look at, you get Skyler coming back, 
you get year two of Deuce Vaughn. Is this the year Malik Knowles finally stays healthy? Sebastian Taylor, hey, he looked good when it was Skyler throwing him the ball. What does R.J. Garcia and some of the young wide receivers do? You're starting to hear whispers about Keenan Garber. Daniel Matterbebe. See, I've finally mastered saying that, you know, at tight end. Sammy Wheeler's coming back. Uh, I, I'm starting to get really excited about this offense. Um, this, this wasn't on the outline, but I want to ask you about Deuce Vaughn. True freshman football, you don't see that sort of production hardly ever. I'm, I'm trying to think back to, like, true freshman. You know, I think Tyler Lockett might have been one of the few in the Bill Snyder 2.0 era. And even that, it was, you know, here or there. And then he got hurt in that Oklahoma State game. And he, he didn't even play in all the games. How exciting is it to see what Deuce Vaughn was able to do? And in theory... If he wanted to, he still has four more full seasons at K-State. Granted, transfer portal. Does he want to try to go to the NFL? You know, all that type mm-hmm. of stuff plays into it. But how exciting is it to see a guy who was 19 being able to do what he did on the offense? Well, it was exciting because, I I mean, he had some accolades, I guess, going in and that we all thought, man, this, this could be a really great young player. Uh, hope he gets to, to play and, and show what he has. Um, but – you know, he was electric out there. His instincts on the field were really good. His, his uh, football IQ seemed to be really good. He's small. If he can stay healthy, I think he's going to continue to improve. And I think, I think the future is bright for, for him on this squad. I think he fits in well with the, a climbing uh, offensive uh, scheme. All right, so we asked this. This was a factor fiction on one of our live shows that I asked a couple people. Um, given you know the climbing system, he likes to do multiple guys. You know, running back. Deuce is also very lethal in the passing game. Fact or fiction? Deuce Vaughn never has a one thousand yard rushing season. I'll say fact. So you think he will never hit a thousand? I I for rushing. I think that would be that would be a a tremendous mark in this system. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I actually I said this on the show. And I'll, I'll put it out there again. I think that there is a better shot that maybe one year he is in a thousand yard receiver mm-hmm. than rusher. So, well, but, I think I think what you have to do is what what would his combined yards oh, be? And and I think I think easily his combined yards could be you know seventeen eighteen hundred. I wonder what it was last year. Um, I'm going to look look that up. What his combined yardage was last year. While I'm doing that, I'm going to ask you. So we saw. You know, that, that very frustrating loss to Arkansas State. And then we saw the great run of games, but then the collapse at the end. What, if anything, last year did that do to affect your opinion of Chris Kleiman, maybe his long-term trajectory at K-State? Well, I think uh, with almost any program, any football team in the fall, because of COVID, because of injuries, I, I don't know that you can really judge anyone's uh, trajectory or career based upon that COVID year. I, I, I really don't. And uh, for K-State, it's, it really felt like COVID hit our team uh, as hard as any team in the conference. I'm not sure every team in the conference followed the same rules or protocols that we did. Just saying. Don't know if that's true or not. Well, I'm going to yeah. recklessly say that is 100% not true. And also, again... Sorry for hijacking it, but Chris Klein, like there are games that we shouldn't have played that we 
continued on to play because we were trying to hit our target for the conference to make sure mm-hmm. that we weren't the reason why the conference lost money. So you're 100% correct. I think Chris Kleiman almost has too much integrity when it came to following the rules and then playing games that he knew we were going to be so short-staffed. Well, and then if you look at the injury of Skyler early in the Big 12 conference, I mean, what impact did that have? I mean, uh, that was a that was just one key injury, and we had others. Yep, definitely. So... Uh, I just looked it up. So Deuce Vaughn last year from scrimmage had 1,000 yards in 10 games. So actually almost 1,100 yards in 10 games. So if you have a 13-game season, so a regular uh, non-con plus a bowl game, I I think that he will 100% have a year where he hit 16 or 1,700 all-purpose yards. Um, And and I think it will almost be almost evenly distributed. It's, It's crazy how talented that guy is. Well, the um, key thing is keeping him healthy. I yeah, mean, he's, but like you said, that smart football IQ, it's almost the same thing Darren Sproles did in the pros. He never took big hits. He knows when to get out of bounds. He knows how to shield his body so he's not taking those big hits. So I, I think the kid is smart, and I think that he will have one of those big years. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that one more question about Chris Conman before we do a little basketball talk, and then we'll hit some fun, uh, you know, Bosco's boys on brand questions to finish things off. Um, I didn't have this in here, but but again, you know, I, I sometimes come up with these ideas on the fly. What is your opinion on the transfer portal? How many transfers we're seeing in all of college sports, but specifically football? Well, well I'll maybe ask this for basketball as well. Chris Kleiman has seemed to do a very good job in the transfer portal. And we actually just landed you know, a JUCO All-American from Hutch, another transfer, again, a more traditional transfer coming up from a JUCO to play tackle. But he's seemingly doing a very good job recruiting out of the portal. Do you think that the transfer portal for football is going to be a net positive or net negative for K-State football over the climbing era? Man, that's a, that's a, that's a great Great question. For Chris Kleiman to be successful, I think it has to be it has to be a net positive. And I think it brings into play a whole new skill set for coaches to how well do you do with the transfer portal? Do you have a net gain in that system? But a program like K-State, uh, what was the running back we it sounds like we oh, just Oh Keon Mosey just left. Yeah. Uh, but there's reasons for that too. When you look at the running back room, uh, you know how crowded is it, and does a young football player look at that room and say to himself, "What is my opportunity in the future to get onto the field?" And if that kid doesn't feel like he's going to be able to make it, there may be a, a much better situation for him. And in that regard, I don't blame him. You know, for for leaving, I hated to see him leave. I think he was he's talented. Yeah, super um, fast guy. I, yeah. I'm disappointed, but 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 I'll I'll, I'll say this. I I think uh, going forward with the transfer portal, the your success in the transfer portal in in recruiting is going to determine your success long term as a coach at an institution. I think so. I'm I'm hopeful. I think I think he can do well, but it's so it's so new. We're gonna we're gonna have to see how he does. Yeah, in in theory, we need to see these guys perform. You completely changed the look of your defensive backfield all with transfers. 
um, and you were able to do this. Um, and, and it's going to be crazy. And I think where they're going to succeed is, you know, they're much more honest, I think, than most coaching staffs. I think they're not pressuring high school kids trying to get them to commit. They're not telling people what they want to hear. And I think that is going to play better with 20, 21-year-olds than 17, 18, 19-year-olds. So yeah. um, it'll be interesting. And, and again, the entire landscape of college football, college athletics, K-State sports has completely changed. Um, let's get into something that's been an evergreen topic ever since uh, Mr. Weber st- stepped on uh, campus. Um, what is your opinion of Bruce? Do you think he should have been retained after the last two years? And, uh, you know, what what do you think he needs to do to get some of the fan base back this next season? Well, I do think he should have been retained. Again, with the basketball season, you have to kind of look at at COVID and what impact that that may have had in their, you know, preparation for the season. What a young team he had coming in. Um, but, uh, you know, the – the season before uh, last was the big disappointment for me. Uh, he, he fell way short of what my expectations were. Uh, what happened this last year was not a big surprise to me. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you this, I enjoyed last season, primarily how we ended the season. I think you really, it really showed what the promise was for the, for the roster and the young players that we had. Definitely. So, You've watched a ton of great basketball players. Uh, Nigel Pack had one of the best freshman seasons in a really long time. Um, I think he shows promise. Weirdly enough, was not on the all-freshman team by the coaches, and neither was Davion Bradford. So I hope those two guys uh, keep that press clipping in their locker all season. Um, But when, when you see those two especially, and you look back over the history of K-State basketball, where would you rank uh, Nigel and to a lesser extent Davion's freshman year compared to some of the other, you know, freshman phenoms we've had, you know, over your time watching K-State basketball? Well, pretty high for, uh, I'd say, the modern recent history. You go back over the years and you look at some of the, the great players. I mean, the first one that comes to mind was like Steve Henson, for example. I mean, he was a great four-year player and uh, – you know, quite honestly, I, I have not compared what his stat line was to what uh, Nigel Pack, what his stat line was. Uh, but, you know, the, the freshman class was very impressive to me, primarily Nigel and, and Davion Bradford. As far as a big man, a true post player, I can't remember uh, going back a, a freshman uh, that had a better year or had more promise than Davion Bradford. Yeah, and I, I we talked about this last night. And, and again, uh, th- this is on me for not planning well enough to pull up the stats, but <laughs> I thought it compared pretty well to young Thomas Gibson. And, and I asked you at dinner, would you be disappointed if Davion Bradford's career just mimicked that of Thomas Gibson? And I don't think you gave me a straight answer. <laughs> Um, but I, I think I actually would be. And Thomas, I'm Thomas Gibson's number one fan. Yep. I think because I'm such a big Thomas Gibson fan, it almost comes off as me hating on DJ Johnson because I think DJ gets more shine than Thomas Gibson when he shouldn't. But, man, I think Davion Bradford, he can be a throwback to a true post player that is, is almost leaving the game of basketball. Right, and I, I think that's where I, I like uh, his future as a, as a true post player and what – what I like that he does, he has the full skill set, I think, around the, the basket. 
I mean, I think he can he can defend the rim. I think he can be a great rebounder. And my God, he can finish. I, I love mean, it. Dun- I mean, he just dunks on people all yeah. game long. And how how many years have we wanted our our uh, inside presence, our bigs, to get a rebound and finish? And he he really finished well and left no doubt. He just like you said, he would he would just grab the ball and go up and dunk it. The ball didn't hit the ground. He's not trying to you know do a fadeaway, uh, you know six footer. He just finished it. I love it. I love it. So, what do you want to see, or what do you think Bruce needs to accomplish this year uh, to come back for another one? And do you think that would even be enough to get the fan base kind of back in his corner? I'm not sure because uh, I, I do think there's been an erosion of the fan base the last two years. Uh, in my own mind, you know, the kind of the floor. Uh, I think we really need to finish seventh place or higher I mean that's that's a pretty low floor but you know seventh or or greater and I think we need to see some postseason I I would like to see us you know in in conference play we need to beat the teams that are below us and we need to win two or three games of you know maybe uh, maybe some teams that are in the upper upper half Uh, well probably upper third and then we need to, you know, go 50-50 with the, you know, the seventh, sixth, and fifth place, place teams. We need to hold our own with those. So I don't know what what record does that give us. You know, I mean, does that give us? Uh, that's like eight or, seven and eleven, I think. I was thinking eight or nine wins, maybe. Well, uh, I'll say this: if it's eight or nine wins, if the Big Twelve keeps their RPI darling status, that's getting you in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, which I think is what Bruce needs to do. Otherwise. Well, I, I think you're right. I think I think I just really feel like you've got to give Bruce a chance with with this class, and I'm pretty excited with the the transfers we we got coming in for next year. And um, you know, I don't how many how many freshmen are we bringing in? I only want or no two. So Maximus Edwards from out in New York, he's a wing, and then Logan Landers, who is like a big kind of not really athletic dude out of Wisconsin. Not a lot of hope for the freshmen. No, but and, and you don't need them this yeah, year. Yeah. No, you don't. But I, I, I've heard some good things about the transfers, though. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've heard – so I've heard Marquise Noel is just draining shots in these summer workouts that are leaving people dumbfounded. And if he can be, like, an energy guy coming in to spell, you know, Nigel Pack, because, I mean, I don't want – I mean, he his defensive numbers actually aren't that bad, but – I don't want to see a lot of lineups because Marquise Noel is like is about my height, five seven, five eight on a good day, and then you have Nigel Pack who's five ten. I don't want to see them trying to. I don't want to see them both trying to play defense at the same time. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And and uh, Sultan Miguel is. I, I I'm hopeful. Uh, you had told me that he's on the Angola basketball team, trying to uh, qualify for the Olympics as we speak. Yeah, and I that that's encouraging. I, I you know him playing high level basketball in the off season, he needs that. And uh, if he if he can sharpen his skill set a little bit, I think he could be a, a good player for us and maybe a really good defender. Yeah, and we'll see what Luke the Sukasuki can do with a <laughs> uh, with a good off season. Um, <laughs> The final thing I, I, I like to ask this whenever we're talking basketball, 
Who of those, that young freshman class, this past freshman class, is your favorite of all those freshmen? Well, the easy uh, answer is is Pack because I, I, I really like him a lot. And, you know, he reminds me of some great uh, K-State uh, guards in, in the past. Um, but I think who I, I think, I, I think Bradford, I like a little bit better. And I'm really excited. The fact that he's a good young big man that is more of a traditional post player. I just doesn't feel like we've had that for so long. And so I'm really excited about where, where his game can go. Yeah. I love Dabby Donks. I love him throwing down. So I think we're on the same one. So we're going to wrap it up with some quote-unquote, on-brand questions for Bosco's boys. I'm also going to grab some of my favorite topics that have come up in some of the live shows. One that you actually mentioned to me um, today before we started recording, We last Thursday was National Mascot Day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I want to ask you, okay, what do you like that Willie does? What don't you like? And then also your favorite all-time mascot, but also... I've had a long affinity of loving mascots. If there's a funny story that you want to make fun of how worked up I got, you know, during a Willie skit or Casey Wolf going to town on someone, you can do that and we can laugh about that. But I want to get your takes on Willie and mascots in general first. Well, uh, I've always been a a fan of uh, Willie the Wildcat. And I think the unique nature of Willie being the man-cat is what sets him apart from most any other uh, mascot. Uh, I like the woolly head on a buff student uh, in uniform. And I, I just remember the days uh, when I went to school, we had a Willie the Wildcat that dunked on a 10-foot goal with the head on. That's I don't right. know. Did you ever have a mascot, a Willie mascot that ever did that at a basketball no, game? No, I don't think they ever even tried it because, man, if that goes wrong, I think there's a lot of liability there. Yeah, well, we just we didn't care about liability <laughs> in those days. I mean, I've told you some stories. Oh, yes. Uh, but, but, but I think that's one thing I really like most about, about Willie, I think. You know, in terms of things that I don't like about Willie, that's, that's really tough. I... Uh, um, I, I, there really isn't anything that comes to mind that I don't like about him. Uh, I think probably because he's our, he's our guy. Yeah. I, I remember weirdly enough, I remember watching 27 news one day when they changed the Willie head and they had a whole story about how they were adding the white stripes, the, the whisker things on his face. I remember that was on 27 news. Like, I think that was like how they ended the sports uh, section one night. I remember getting worked up about it. I miss Willie Skits and I miss his car. I know the yeah. car is something that Grant champions. I think yeah. maybe he should just drive his car out there instead of just running out there to do yeah. the KSU thing. Yeah, well, I, I like the Skits too. I I do think you don't want to put any any student or any anybody in, in harm's way. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, jumping on the, you know, blindsiding the, uh, the student in the... Uh, you know, in the opposing uh, team's garb, you know, that I, I would like to be able to do that if as long as nobody gets hurt. But you, you know? can't, you can't, once, it ha- once one person gets hurt. Uh, an Iowa State uh, football game when you were young, I tell you, we were in the, uh, we were in the south end zone 
and it was a real cold game. It was against Iowa State, and I remember uh, uh, you you were getting pretty excited uh, about uh, an interaction between the Cyclone Bird and and Willie, and uh, and then I think uh, everybody uh, I think ganged up on the on the Iowa State mascot for a while, and then we went to the rail, and Willie gave you a high five. I think you were pretty excited about that. That and the hot chocolate and nachos. But, yeah. Uh, um, so, so my, my disdain for Iowa State goes that maybe that's the root of it. You know, yeah. I, I enjoyed seeing the Iowa State bird getting beat up. Yeah, well, I think they did a, a little skit and kind of uh, pandered to the Iowa State fans that were there, and I think they were kind of beating up on on Willie, the you know the uh, cheerleaders in their mascot, and I think that really you know upset you at the time well i did i of course i am not wanting to see any of that so that that was a good one and then another good one that came from one of our live shows that you and i had a good conversation about was who was you know a k-state nfl player that you really enjoyed watching their nfl career Mm -hmm. and then maybe who is a guy that you expected maybe a little bit more from in the nfl uh that didn't i think you know if i if i was going to give my answers to give you a little bit more time. I, I really liked watching the Terrence Newman NFL career. I'm currently really enjoying Tyler Lockett and even Byron Pringle because he's right here at home. Mm-hmm. And I still, you know, I still think that, you know, I thought Josh Freeman was going to do a little bit more. I thought Arthur Brown was going to do a little bit more. But I'm interested uh, to hear your take and if there was a guy that you really enjoyed watching the NFL and a guy that you, man, I can't believe he didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to go old school on you because, uh, you know, we had a couple of quarterbacks that uh, uh, had really good careers in the NFL, Grogan and, and Lynn Dickey, uh, both, both of them uh, good K-Staters. Uh, they weren't from a, an era of K-State football where they were just terrible. I mean, they weren't on teams that never won any games, but they had really, really good pro careers. Uh, uh, Kevin Lockett. Um, enjoyed seeing him play, and of course he played for the Chiefs for a while. Um, you know, uh, and then more modern day, Jordy Nelson. Uh, I mean, he was he was underappreciated uh, and not recruited when he came to K State, and then he became one of the great receivers in the NFL as well. Uh, in a good system, by yeah. the way. I yeah. mean, being at Green Bay with. Uh, um, Oh, geez. Rogers <laughs> discount double check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, of, of player, well, and Gary Spaney. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about him. Now he came from an era where they weren't that good. No. Uh, K-State I think football. he had like two wins. Yeah. It, it was, it was, but he was a consensus all American. Yeah. Imagine being that good. Yeah. And being on a team that was that bad. And then, of course, he played for uh, the Chiefs, and he's on the ring. Yep, he, he, he's in both. I think he is up uh, on the ring of honor for K-State and for the Chiefs. Yeah. so I think the only guy. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that, that's another one that I really enjoyed uh, playing. And, and when he, they end up at, at the Chiefs, that makes it doubly uh, special for me. And we've talked about uh, uh, Seminole as well. Of course, he came, he came from Smith Center, which is about 28 miles from where I grew up, and and had a great K-State uh, career, a really good NFL career, and then ended up at the Chiefs as well. Yeah, for his final – I think 2010 was his final year, and that, that was the year he spent with the Chiefs. Yeah. I'm kind of like you. I, you know, Arthur Brown is one that I, I feel like I, – I really thought he was going to play well uh, in 
I think he's, I thought his game would translate well in the NFL and that, that didn't really come to pass. Yeah. And he went to Baltimore, which had a history of doing well with linebackers. So I thought that was going to be a good spot for yeah. him. But. And then another one that on the other side, you know, you mentioned him, Byron Pringle, that he's a, he's a chief. Uh, I really think he's got a chance to really stake his claim, uh, on the wide receiver room now, especially since Sammy Watkins uh, is gone from the Chiefs. I really think he's got a chance to be that reliable third uh, receiver. Yeah, I would love it if Byron Pringle went off this year. I I mean, I have a Byron Pringle jersey, I think is the (laughs) correct term for it. With uh, It's just a Chiefs shirt on the front and then Pringle 13 on the back. I want to see him go off and... I'm hoping for a big one. Do you know Dalton Schoen is technically right now on the Chiefs roster? I, I saw that. Yes, he is. Yeah, so it, <laughs> I, I think there's next to no chance he makes the 53-man, but mm-hmm. it might be fun to see him, you know, getting some cleanup time in the preseason game. Yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting uh, signing. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens with him. So we'll get into and I think that some – I think basically these are – I think the most on-brand questions for Bosco's boys, and I think one of these, I, I think the very first one, I think you and I have talked about maybe on the last dad pod, um, but we're going to do it anyway. So something I love to talk about, and this is on message boards, this is on Twitter. At some point this summer, we'll probably have an entire live show dedicated to the topic of putting jerseys in the rafter for basketball. Because unlike football, I think football, you have to be a consensus All-American. You're not a consensus All-American. You don't get to go up there, I think, as the rules are right now. But there is no such rule for basketball. So the one that I think is the most fun conversation, because there really is a divide, I think, between uh, generations when it comes to this, is Michael Beasley. Should Michael Beasley go up in the rafters? Well, I've I've evolved a little bit on that, and I've, I've really you know, had a chance to step away from the time that he was at K-State and really look at that year. And I'll emphasize that year. Uh, I'm probably 75% there. Uh, when, when you really look at Michael Beasley's uh, time at K-State, um, a, an argument can be made that he had the greatest all-time freshman year of, of any any player in, not only in K-State history or the conference history but maybe in NCAA history when you look at the numbers and and what he did for that team so that's pretty impressive uh what he did there um I mean what was he uh all he was a freshman all-american he was a regular all-american okay re- he was a regular all-american a freshman all American yep, Big 12 Player of the Year, and yep. then he came in second in National Player of the Year voting by Tyler Hansborough, who got a Lifetime Achievement Award. Do you think if he would have gotten that National Player of the Year, that would be that would have been like, all right, no, he's National Player of the Year, he has to go up there? Do you think it'll always be, hey, he was only there for one year, you can never get 100% there? Well, you know, I hate to tell you to get off my lawn on that, but, you know, that's my first, my that's where I go to first. It's just like, well... You know, he one and done. How can you really do that when you look at who who's up there? I mean, I mean but Mitch, Mitch Richmond was yeah, only there I, for two. I was just going to say that he was there, only there for two, but it was twice as long <laughs> as Michael Beasley. But, but no, if you if you put my uh, 
my feet to the fire on this. What, where do I stand? I would say Michael Beasley should be up there. See, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you're finally there. I think everyone agrees Jacob Poland should be up there. All-time yeah. leading scorer. He, was, he made All-American teams his junior and senior year. He was all Big 12 his junior and senior year. Um, what he meant for the program, you know, he was there when, you know, the first year under Frank, you know, the iconic quotes, the iconic moments. I think everyone agrees there. But I think it is fun to then bring up these three guys, if you're talking about even more recent than Jacob Poland, and should they be up there or should they not. That is Rodney Magruder, Barry Brown, and Dean Wade. Of those three, how many of them should go up there and how, how would you rank those? If, if you were the one-man committee, uh, you know, would all three go up there? And if so, who would go first? Give me your ranking of those three guys when it comes to rafter royalty. I think it's an interesting study when you look at them. And I, I did look a little bit about stats and accomplishments. You know, what's more important to going up in the rafters? Is it their importance to their team in the time they were at K-State, or is it their individual accolades? And I, I want to ask you that first. Yes. Yeah, so, so I, I think that it, you, it has to be a little bit of both. But if they were not one of the greats in college basketball while they were there, I don't think that they can go up there. Because if you look at the guys who are up there, every single guy up in the rafters right now has made at least one all-American squad, and every single one of them, at least for one year, was first-team all-conference. Right. So if you look at that, I, I, I have a hard time uh, you know, saying, all right, you never made an all-American list. Should you go up there? And I think, you know, friend of the pod, you love him. Jimmy, uh, you know, also known as Casey underscore fan, his threshold is if you didn't make at least an honorable mention all-American, you shouldn't go up there. Mm -hmm. So of those three... How many of them made honorable mention All-American? Only Rodney McGurder. Correct. Now, I think of individual accolades, it seems like he has the higher bar. Yeah, I Rodney think... Rodney does. I think, if I'm remembering this correctly, he was all-freshman Big 12, and then he was two second-team All-Big 12s, and then first-team once. Right. Which was his honorable mention All-American year. Right. So I think I think he's got maybe the the higher bar of those accolades. But Dean, how many how many two-time first team all conference guys do we have? Not a lot. Nope. Not a lot. So, let's get back to the list. When we when we look at this, the problem I've got with Dean is what what did he do for K-State in the postseason? Nothing. And in some of the the the, the greatest of modern K-State basketball era, what are our greatest postseason accomplishments? We've got a couple of Elite yeah, Eights. Two Elite Eights. Yeah. And what did Dean do in that year? Well, he, Versus what did Barry Brown do for us uh, during that season? That's true. That's true. And so and, and when you talk about team leadership and court leadership, you know, Dean and Barry are of this. You know, the same the same class. They played together their entire careers. Who is the Who is the better leader of that team? Would you say it was Barry? He yeah. he was the heart and soul of the team. But again, mm -hmm. he wasn't the best player. No, yeah. I could make an argument that there was never a year where he was the best of those three. Because if you recall, yeah. Cam Stokes started off hotter than all three of yeah. them. And then Dean Wade, you know, his sophomore year, he has that game winner versus Georgia. Yeah. And again, while his 
foot failed him mm-hmm. towards the end of the season, his last two years, he was the best player on the floor almost every night he played. Yeah, I, I don't, as far as all around uh, uh, great greatness on the court, I, I do think he was the best player. And um, his, a play that I saw, I've never seen you go as crazy about was that dunk on Brady Manick. Uh, which ultimately, I think, hurt his foot. Got so, but I've never seen you go crazier in a live sporting event. I just got I goosebumps. So this this goes back to the original question about being at a live sporting event. I mean, being there to witness that right behind the Oklahoma faithful. And then you started heckling Brady Manick. Yeah, I don't do that normally, <laughs> but yeah, that was that that was awesome. And I mean, he showed some spunk on that too. He kind of woofed a little bit after that yeah. that dunk, but then. I think I leaned to you after after a while, and I was just like, I think he might have hurt himself. Yeah, and it was. That yeah. was it. That was it for him. Well, and and the other thing I would say for Barry is one of the best uh, defenders uh, that we have. I think he leads uh, the team all-time in steals. Yep, and he did win Defensive Player of the Year in the Big 12 his senior yeah. year. Yeah. Well, uh, and you know that I'm a – Big Dean Wade fan. Oh, yeah. I mean, how many years did you and your brother make fun of me of how, how excited I was that we got Dean Wade? Well, I, I think it was his freshman, sophomore years. Because, yes. like, we came around junior year. Yeah, yeah. But I was really excited that that uh, that we got him on, on our team. I came down with, really, Rodney and Barry as kind of 1A, 1B. And I know, I know you don't agree with that. And then I had Dean shortly, you know, uh, right right behind uh, I think you could make a case for all three. I think you could make a case for none of them. Uh, but I, I, I think I think I would go Rodney Barry Dean. Yeah, I, I think I think ultimately, if I was a one man committee, I think ultimately until you have all your all American all your because we don't even have all the first team all Americans in the rafters. Until you have all your all Americans in the rafters, I don't think you could put. Barry Brown in. I don't think you could put Dean Wade in, um, but it is it is interesting because of the modern era. You know, basically in my lifetime, the only guys who have you know a claim to go up there, you know, Michael Beasley, Jacob Poland, and I think it's Rodney Dean and Barry, because um, you know I don't think anyone else has a claim in my lifetime. Nope, they so, don't. They don't. Yep. So that that is a great one. And I think I, I don't know if it'll be the most most recent live pod, but we'll have an entire live pod dedicated to those questions. The next one, which again is a great one, should K-State football be breaking out the white helmets and white pants again this year? We didn't see them at all last year. And then are you a fan of changing up the decal or are you power cat or nothing? Man, I, I like the white helmets and the white pants uh, for sure. And I I don't know that I want to completely go away from the power cat logo, but I am for changing the the decal i would love to see an angry sailor willie i think that's where everyone is at so here's my question if you were designing it would you go full body angry sailor willie or would you just go sailor willie head because any sort of you know you know vertical logo it's tough to put on yeah. helmets i would just go head because i i i agree that's what i was thinking about if you do the full body it kind of it doesn't distort it, but it makes it more difficult to say. I mean, people who are not K-Staters necessarily or even, you know, more recent K-Staters and not familiar with that particular look, they might be like, what is that? 
you know, and I, I think just the head would be fine. Yeah, so that, that would be your number one on a wish list for a new logo or decal for yeah, a game? I think so. I, I, I do. Uh, I don't think I'd go the late 80s wildcat head. Oh, the coked out yeah. shaggy head? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I would. It seems to work for basketball. I don't think it, it would work it, well on a football home. No, I, I, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I like, the, I like the cat script. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, I, uh, I like a lot that. of folks don't though uh, yeah. because I think they've never won a game with that on the helmet. Yeah. Because they like went over for a season. Then, of course, you know, they lost to West Virginia in a, another classic shitting of the bed. Yeah. Had to earn the explicit tag for the episode. Um, something I want to see. I want to see. So Colorado State does these great state pride uniforms. They completely change their colors for a game to match the Colorado State flag. I'm not saying that, but I would like to see a state of Kansas decal within a power cap right in the middle of it. Or maybe even like a purple sunflower or something to really embrace the state, uh, you know, for a game or two a year. I think that would be fun. But I'll be interested to see because I think there is a big sentiment for wanting to see Sailor Welly on a helmet. Will it happen this year? I don't know. But I think at some point, uh, I think we might see it in a year or two. So we'll, we'll have to keep an eye out for that. Um, oh, here, here's a question because this has been getting a lot of steam. Do you want for the away uniforms, the base away uniforms, do you want to go all white more often than not? Because that is gaining a lot of steam in the message board and Twitter realm saying for away games, the default is white helmet, white jersey, white pants. Or do you want to still see that only you know a game or two a year? I would just say a game or two a year. I, I don't know that I'd want that to be the default. I. I, I like their aways with the the what the silver. Yep, silver. The 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 cowboys. Yeah, the cowboy knockoffs. Yeah, yeah. I I do like that, but I I would like to see a couple times uh, the all white. All right, and then another great one. So we have two more left. This is one of our favorites because I think we've had a ton of great basketball uniforms, um, basically from the Huggins era on. What is your all time favorite of? And it doesn't have to be modern era. If, if yeah. there's like the original, you know, 1980s uh, Rolando Blackman two tones. I mean, I think those are great. I, mm-hmm. I love those. Uh, but what is your all time? A handful of your favorite basketball uniforms of all time. Well, it's funny when you you do the the two tones, the lavender on purple. Uh, people outside of of K State lore just just rag on that. Uh, I heard somebody on one of the Kansas City sports stations the other day say it looked like a pajama combo, and I was just like, "What? Those were sharp!" and uh, and I, I do like those, but I prefer the short pants. You know? <laughs> I, I don't I don't think you need to be sticking Davy on in those tiny little shorts. <laughs> no, you might get in trouble with uh, the FCC yeah. with that. But don't you recall when Huggins uh, had his his uh, year when they came back and they had the cat scratch uniforms? My goodness, those were exciting. Uh, what were your thoughts when? Because that was the first time they did black. What yeah. were your thoughts when you saw the black? I loved it. I, I thought I thought it was just great to do something different, kind of shake it up, and you could tell the 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 players loved it. You know, but of more recent times, I like the all lavenders. With the, Do you prefer all lavender to the two tone? Uh, 
Not necessarily. No, no, I wouldn't necessarily say that. But, but they get the, to wear it more. Yeah, of of the more uh, of the more recent ones, though that that one was one of my more, more favorite ones. But I I really like the two tones. I I have no problem with those. I I, th- I always thought that they were unique and and really really sharp. And if you remember an iconic Sports Illustrated cover of Rolando Blackman hitting the jump shot against Oregon State, right? Oregon yes, State. Oregon State. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, they're wearing the two tones. Yeah, and I think I think they're great. I think I, I bet you they never would have gone all lavender if the NCAA didn't have the stupid rule and make us ask for permission to do all that type of stuff. Yeah. Final one on basketball uniforms. They have, excuse me, they've gone away from the big game grays. Were you a fan of the gray uniforms? Yes, I was a fan of the of of the gray uniforms. The first thing that comes to mind, you know, you mentioned Thomas Gibson. Uh, earlier, I mean, he was a free sweater. Yes, you know, <laughs> you know, by about the, the first time out, you could really uh, see his uh, his sweat. <laughs> you know, they show, it showed up pretty good on the big on the big game grays. Yes, I, I miss the big game grays. I'm hoping they make a comeback sometime in the future. The final one, and again, this is the most on brand question we have for the show. What are your thoughts on Iowa State football? You know, I don't I don't share the disdain. <laughs> That, that you and, and Grant and some of your followers have, but it's, it's, it's always best in our world and our K-State ecosystem if they're not as good as us. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're, a, they're a team that I would prefer that we are better than them in both football and basketball. And when they're, in, when we're, they're better than us, it sucks. Yeah, I hate him. I hate him. But but again, you know what? I would say I can't remember. Like I would say, has not beat K State football in a year that we're actually trying to win in a really long time. You know, last year we're just trying to get to the end. Uh, Bill Snyder's final final year. I think they were tanking to make sure that we didn't go to a bowl game, so Bill Snyder would uh, be told to retire. Ron Prince, they didn't care. So I, I'm I'm basically I'm going to say that you know it's been forever since they beat us, and you know we beat them twice in basketball. So. I hate Iowa State, but I do love you. Happy Father's Day. This is Dad Pod 4. Um, I'll give you this opportunity like we always do to uh, tell the Boneheads or anyone listening anything you would like. Well, again, uh, thank you, Scott, and thanks for having me on uh, the Dad Pod. It's always the highlight of the year. Um, And uh, also want to wish Malcolm uh, and Grant uh, happy Father's Day. Yeah, two fathers coming to you tomorrow. Yeah, I uh, wish them. And and just a shout out to my dad, Arvid, uh, the the greatest, the GOAT, the best dad of all time. And uh, I, I, I learned a lot from him in how to be a, a, a good dad. And I think I've brought that forward. Uh, uh, hopefully, uh, has been a, I've been a good dad for you and Alan. And uh, again, um, uh, one of the greatest accomplishments in my life has been being a father to you and your brother. Yes, shout out to you, shout out to Alan, shout out to Granddad. As his brick says, right by Bill Snyder's statue, a great case stater in good times and bad. So I, I'm glad that he started, you know, the three generations of K-State Wildcats, uh, started the Section 7 Row 39, even though I may not like some of the folks that sit around <laughs> us. Um, and I, you know, I, I think some of the f- folks don't like me because I boo Wildcat March, and then uh, that's my gift to you. You have to deal with the awkward stares as I boo John Philip Sousa every every home game. It is a little uncomfortable sometimes. We do get some interesting looks and people turning real quick. It's like, what is that guy booing about? 
<laughs> yes, but it's fun, and I can't wait to get back in the stadium with you. This is Dad Pod. Uh, we're going, or Mal and Grant will, will be on tomorrow, and then again, we will be live on Thursday. Also, go to kcstakes.com, 10% off, promo code SD. Um, Grant will tell you guys to meet him at the Cathead tomorrow. I'm just going to tell everyone to be nice to each other. And, uh, you know, let's keep rocking. We're almost almost to July, and then before you know it, it'll be August, and then before you know it, football will be back. Go State. Sports Social Podcast Network.